Man, worship is good this morning, isn't it? I, uh, I would like to, to hear from you later. I mean, now it's not a good time. I'm, I'm kind of busy, but I'd like to hear from you later. Uh, you know, what, what, what it is to get together and to pray, to really connect with another human being again after a, such a drought of no connection. And with that connection with another person, you in, in, as a circle, as a group, are connecting with your creator, with your Lord, one who loves you like crazy, loves you more than your spouse, loves you, loves you more than your parents ever knew could, to love you. It's, he, 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 he is crazy about you, and to connect with him, is, it's good, and it's a good reminder. And I get like, hey, I'm an introvert. I, like getting with people it makes me uncomfortable. And some people love prayer circles because they're extroverts. Some people are like, I don't know. But you know what? My kids feel the same way about green beans. But still, we're like, hey, you got to eat your vegetables. And uh, it's it's good. It's good to to gather together. Uh, as I said earlier in the intro, we're we're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've been with us for a while, you you know that um, Sermon on the Mount is a a group of chapters. Uh, you can read in Luke as well. There's a smaller version of it in Luke, but in Matthew, it gets three full chapters, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And what we see is that Jesus in one sitting, because in my Bible, it's, it's red text means that Jesus is talking. For all three of those chapters from beginning to end, it's Jesus just straight giving a monologue to a group of people. And he's explaining to them uh, what the kingdom of God is really like and who God really is. And to explain to them, this is what God really wants from you uh, as, as we set up this kingdom. And so what we're to infer from this... Uh, uh, what you and I have kind of been dissecting for the last several weeks is that the king has shown up and then he's done some things that prove that he's the king in chapters one through four. And then he begins in chapter five, like now that I'm, I've proven to you that I'm the king that you were expecting, let me tell you what kind of king I am. Let me tell you what kind of kingdom I'm building and let me tell you what kind of God this is. Um, and then he's been unpacking it. It's been really eye-opening. To me, I, I'm giddy. I've been nerding out every week I get up here and some of you are like, dude, like go to something else. I'm telling you, I, I, I listen to music. I have playlists set up and I'm just listening to songs that remind me of the Sermon on the Mount because this, this is life-changing stuff. Because what the king has done is that the king shows up on the scene and he says, I'm gonna build a kingdom and I'm gonna start with all of the rejects. I'm gonna start with all the broken people. I'm gonna start with everybody that the rest of the world has pushed to the side and says that you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, you're not mean enough, you're not cynical enough, you're not sarcastic enough, you're not wealthy enough, you're not powerful enough. You guys go over there and King Jesus shows up like, yes, I will take the owl of misfit toys and I will build my kingdom with them. I don't know if this rings true to you, but I'm like, I was on the aisle. Yes, I get to be a part of it. Uh, because, because I look in the mirror and I realize I don't have it as put together as it appears that the rest of the world does. And maybe you feel that way too. And King Jesus says that there's a space for you in the kingdom. And then as he's kind of unpacking the, the morals and the, the values of the kingdom, he starts to set up embassies because kingdoms and you know uh, politicians, politics, they, they have embassies. You go to another country, there's an American embassy because we want to represent a American values and beliefs, and there's, there's a safe haven uh, in the embassy. So you end up in Mexico, and the cartel's chasing you, and you're like, I need help. Run to the embassy, because that's American soil in the embassy. And what we see is that when Jesus says that you're going to be uh, my salt, and you're, you're, you're going to be the light of the world, and people are going to see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, that's Matthew chapter 5, what we see is that he kind of expects you and I, who form the church, to be like embassies in a kingdom that operates with different values. Out there, uh, if you're weak, you get chewed up. In here, if you're weak, you are protected and safe. 
uh, out there, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you show any kind of, of chink in the armor, someone will exploit that and exploit you. And so when you go out there in the rest of the world, you feel like I've got to build up more and more armor. But in here, in the kingdom, uh, we can just be vulnerable. Like, I have a chink in my armor right here, right here, and right here. And I'm just like, will you pray for me? Will you help me out? And, and those inside the kingdom, those inside the embassy are like, yeah, we're, we're not interested in exploiting that. We're not interested in pointing out your vulnerabilities and your weakness. We're interested in grabbing whomever we have and, and love them and protect them. What we see in the kingdom is that our righteousness is not enough. One of the questions that Jesus, uh, nobody asked it, uh, at least not recorded here, but he answers it is what kind of religion are you setting up, Jesus? Because it sounds really great, you know, like blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's me, okay? Uh, I want to be a part of that, but I, need, I have a question. Is this different than, than Judaism? Is this different than the law? Is this different than all of that? And Jesus' response was, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it, which is great news for you and I. Those of us in this room who would raise our hands right now and say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and maybe I asked a question, like to kind of press it a little bit. I asked the question, I said, well, how sure are you that that's working out? And, and your answer, based on what Jesus just said there, isn't on how sincere you were or how old you were or how much you understood about the Bible when you said those things. The answer to how secure our salvation is, is resting on how good of a savior is Jesus. How, when he says that he fulfilled the law, did he mean it? If the answer is yes, then I'm secure. To, to have my faith fully placed on him is to say that I'm secure, not because of how sincere my faith is today, but because of how uh, effective Jesus uh, fulfilled the law. And then, and then last week and, and a little bit before that, um, we, we get this really refreshing piece of news. Um, and, and that is this, that, that, that God, the king, is less interested in our public acts of righteousness to show off to everybody else and far more interested about just secretly going to him and practicing our righteousness, praying in secret, fasting in secret, giving to needy in secret. He is very interested in us repenting publicly. To repent publicly is to, like, I've messed up. I, I have harmed you. I've, I, I, said, I promised you something, uh, and I didn't follow through with it. Should I secretly repent of that and just like in my prayer time, just go to the Lord and repent quietly? I think it's a good first step. But Jesus would say that, hey, a better idea is go and like tell that person you're sorry. You saw at the end of chapter five where Jesus says, uh, if, if you're at the altar and you're giving your gift to the Lord and there remember your brother has something against you, stop what you're doing. Just stop it, leave your gift at the altar and run away. Go make right with your brother and then come back and offer it. And so what we see is that, that we don't have to put on a show. There's nothing you can do and I can do to impress God and we were never put on this earth to pretend that we can. That should be really relaxing for you. So, so all, all of your acts of righteousness, all of, your, all of your acts of prayer, all of your acts of giving, all of your acts of fasting, you can do that with the certainty of knowing it's just between you and the Father because he doesn't need you to impress him with how good you are at that. And neither does anybody else. Nobody in this room, nobody in your family needs you to be the super Christian or the super mom. You can, you can just quietly do business with the Lord and then we're free in the kingdom to not put on a show for anybody. That's great news. I love that. Uh, you guys seem less excited than I am about that. I get so tired of putting on a show for people. I've spent my entire childhood trying to fit in with whatever school I was living in at the time. I've spent my entire young adulthood trying to prove that I was more competent, smarter, and able to understand these things. I'm ready to adult. I'm 36 years old. I'm still not ready to adult. And some of you are like, yeah, I'm like pushing 80. I'm not ready to adult either. I know. And we can be honest with each other about that. Like this world is designed to chew us up. And Jesus, the king, says in the kingdom, you can be free to just say, I'm feeling chewed up right now. 
And I'm just wanting to, I'm just wanting to be honest for a minute. Jesus doesn't need us to impress him, and he gives us permission to not have to impress our friends and our neighbors. And he says instead, just quietly go to me. Go to the Father in secret, because that's where the real power is. That's where the real reward is. And so last week, we looked at all of chapter six, like the whole stinking thing. If you missed that, I did it in record-breaking time. I don't think anybody's ever done the entire chapter six as fast as we did last week. The reason we did that is because we were unpacking that truth right there, that, that we don't have to put on a show for anybody. And in fact, Jesus warns all of chapter six is Jesus warning, there are times where we try to practice our righteousness publicly, and there are times where we try to practice our righteousness privately. And there's a reward for doing both. You, if you were here last week, you remember this. To, to, to pray publicly for the benefit of everybody to hear and be so impressed with my words, Jesus says that if you do that, you get your reward for doing so, but you miss out on the reward from the Father. If you, if you give to the needy and you flaunt your money so that everybody's impressed with how giving you are, how you flaunt your money and how wealthy you are, you get your reward, but it's not the reward from the Father. You just get the reward of recognition from people. And the question we were left with last week is, would we prefer the reward from the group, from the people, or the reward from the Father? Because we can't choose both. One day, uh, someone's going to be preaching your funeral. It may be me. Um, do you want me to say at your funeral, man, that guy, like he would get out in front of everybody and he, had, he just like talked with the most amazing words. That guy, he had so much money. He, he, he was richer than, than Warren Buffett and he just gave and gave and gave. Look at how much he gave. He, like we put his name on the side of like cars and like buildings and things. Look, look at how, look how great this person, like it, yay, yay him. Or do you want at your funeral, the person to talk about your character be like, he just had a, just a quiet confidence. He had a joy that like the, the, the cancer diagnosis didn't shake. He, he, she, she, she was as calm as could be. Every time someone would come against her with anger and just was yelling, she just, I don't know where she got that strength from. Do you want the reward from the secret moments with your Lord? Or do we want the reward from our public moments with just our friends and our neighbors that we're trying to impress to prove that we're ready for the world? In reality, we're getting chewed up all the time. That's where we left last week, but, but we looked, uh, I just skimmed over the Lord's Prayer because today I wanted to take just a, a, a deep dive in the Lord's Prayer. If, if you uh, grew up uh, maybe with a Catholic background, what, what you may know this prayer is being called, it's called the Our Father. Uh, it's the exact same prayer. It's, it's a, a piece of scripture uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. It's right in the middle of it. And it's fascinating where it, it's located in, in scripture. If, if, you care about this. Uh, a couple of nerds in here will like this. Uh, Jesus has, in the last chapter, warned that you know uh, it's his righteousness that, that we should look to, not our own. And then he proves that like we can't really lean on our own righteousness. Chapter six shows all these moments where we tend to be hypocritical. He uses the word hypocrite a lot. And right in the middle of chapter six, in all of these warnings of what not to do, we get this piece of scripture that almost everybody knows called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. And it's right in the middle of it, and it's like, this is an option to go forward. This is a positive. It's not a do not. This is a thing to do. Um, I wonder where you were, uh, if you know the Lord's Prayer, where you were when you first learned it. 
Uh, I grew up, uh, I, di- I didn't go to church a lot as a, as a young kid, and, but even, even later, I don't remember anybody ever saying, this is the Lord's Prayer. I didn't learn the Lord's Prayer until I'm like in a football game, uh, and it's before, it's like the early huddle before it starts, it's like, okay, uh, coach is talking to us, like, okay, uh, Lofton, I need you to go take the head off of that guy, that guy, that guy, let's pray. It's like, okay, I don't know what we're doing. And, and so I, uh, I would mumble along in the huddle, our father, the uh, art, who's, he's an artist, I don't know, like, because they, they did the old King James, who art in heaven. I learned it in a, in a uh, football huddle. I, I don't know where you, where you learned it at. Maybe sometimes it matters, like the context in which it is. Like for me, this is the thing you say before you go try to kill the other players. Like, and for you, it's like, it's the thing I had to do to get through the next class. Or uh, maybe it's something that you learned from your parents. It's like they would sit on the edge of your bed and like, this is just like, this is what you say at, at bedtime. You just say this prayer. You repeat this phrase, our father who art in heaven. This is the bedtime thing. It matters context, like where, where you learn it. Jesus, when he taught this first, the context in which the first people heard this, uh, it's a group of people who have been rejected by the rest of their culture. Uh, and he's saying, I, I've, there's a home for you in the kingdom. It's a group of people who have just been taught that your righteousness can never be enough. It was never meant to be enough. There's hope only in the savior, the one who's gonna fulfill the law. And so there's this moment in, in the Sermon on the Mount where they're just sort of, their entire worldview is being dismantled. Their entire worldview is kind of being brought and rebalanced and they're, they're relearning what it is to do business with God. And in that relearning of things that don't work, trying to impress people with your words and trying to impress God with your words, in that context, they're taught this other option, this other way of praying that maybe they've never heard before. And it's called uh, the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read it uh, straight through. Barbara, I'm, I'm going to throw you for a loop. Uh, I'm going to start in verse uh, 9. I'm just going to read this straight through, and then I want to rewind and, and uh, look at it uh, in kind of a teaching context. But um, let's go. So starting in verse 9, it says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he moves on. It's beautiful, guys. This is worth the price of admission right here, just to hear that in its proper context. A group of people who have been mistreated by the, the oppressor Groups of the oppressors are in the crowd in this moment, and they're like, what is this God that he's talking about? And he begins with that prayer as the example of how to do business with them. So let's, let's unpack it. I'm going to rewind. I'm going to go back to verse 5. We, we looked at verse 5 last week, um, but I want to set this up for what he's saying. Um, he gave three... Why I choose to drink in the middle of a sentence, I, I still, I don't know. It just happens. Um, he, gave, he gave three things that like, hey, beware of doing this publicly in ways to impress other people. They were giving to the needy, praying, and fasting. Uh, the, the, the praying one starts this way, when he starts the warning. He says, and when you pray, verse five, uh, you must not be like the hypocrites. Okay, nobody in here wants to be a hypocrite. I don't think anybody in here is like, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to be a hypocrite. I just, I just, I think it's great. I think it's awesome to live w- one way and act a different way. I think that's great. No, nobody wants that. He so was like, no, you don't want to be a hypocrite. He says, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. The reward is that they've been seen. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And the father who sees in secret will reward you. 
First wrong way to pray, first wrong way to pray that Jesus gives is to pray in such a way that you think that the only power of this prayer is who's in the room listening to you and that they're impressed by your spiritualness or that they do something like, hey, I just want to pray for Susie. She's been really mean. And Susie's like, why? I'm standing right here. You could have talked to me. Uh, and, and so we pray in a way so that they hear it and then they do something with it. And Jesus is like, hey, don't pray like that. That's what the hypocrites do. Don't, don't pray in a way so that, that all you're worried about is what other people are listening to. Instead, pray in secret because it, the power is with the Father. Let's keep going because that's last week's sermon. Verse seven, he says, and when you pray, this is the second way that we're told not to pray. It's a wrong way to pray. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't, don't talk to God as if it's the power of your words that, that is going to accomplish anything. The Gentiles, which is all of us, unless you have a Jewish background, uh, all of us, we, we fall into this category of a group of people that we just, like, we keep talking, hoping that eventually something sticks. Anybody ever start a sentence and you don't know how it's going to end? Like, you just... Some of you are like, yeah, Jesse, that's like your whole sermon right now. No, it's uh, like some of this is planned. I, I, know, I know what I'm doing, uh, at least this much uh, of it. You know, don't, don't pray as if it's your words that are going to do the trick. Heap up empty phrases. Here's what I believe, and, this is, and I know that you believe it too. Um, I believe that it's, it's God who's powerful. I believe that it's God who's all-knowing. I believe that it's God who accomplishes his will in your family. I believe that when you pray for your kids, it's not the words that are coming out of your mouth that is helping your kids. It's God the Father who loves your kids more than you do, who is ministering to your kids. That that when we pray, we're not praying as if it's our words that have power. We're praying as if it's God who has the power. And we just just ask him for mercy and grace to, to help in times of need. Because again, adulting is hard. Okay. So these are things that we shouldn't do. And now, now that Jesus has dismantled these wrong ways of praying, he's going to teach us how to pray. He says in verse eight, do not be like them, the, the ones who pray wrong. He says, because your father knows what you need before you ask him. Is that, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. You, you're going you're gonna to be... You're going to be brought to your knees in prayer in the next, I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not a prophet. Six months, 12 months, 12 years. And you have no idea what that thing is yet, but it's, it's going to be the thing that just drives you to the cross. You're like, I can't do anything. I'm going to pray for it. And here's what I want you to know. This is how secure you are in the Father's hands. He already knows what is going to do that. And he is there and he is ready. It's not going to surprise him. It's going to surprise us. That's why we're like we're just blown away that the thing happened, um, but it doesn't surprise him because the Father already knows what we need before we ask Him. So then, how should we pray? And this is where Jesus teaches us, you and I, how to pray. And this is where the Lord's Prayer comes from. Verse nine, He says, "Pray then like this: Our Father in heaven." Let's pause. This is this is different than than any other other prayer because because. Um, he begins with our father. Now you and I, we've grown up in, in this, this side of you know, the calendar. We're, we, we're all living in the 2000s and to call God father, it's like, come on, every, everybody does that. No, this is different. This is different. You, you don't call God father. God is something different. You know who you called father? You called Abraham father. Father Abraham. That's who you call father. 
in fact, uh, just two chapters before this, uh, John the Baptist is baptizing, as his name would suggest, baptizing people in the river for repentance. And it's just broken people coming to him from everywhere. And then some Pharisees and scribes go to him. Go check this out. It's in chapter three. Some Pharisees and scribes go to him and they're like, hey, let's check out this baptism that he's doing. And he points his finger at them and he says, you brood of vipers, like, which is... Come on, I like to yell at someone. Like, what, what, what kind of bad name are you going to call someone? You brood of vipers. I, I don't know. It doesn't work for me, but I bet it stung like a son of a gun then. And he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the judgment that's to come? And don't say to me that you're relying on Father Abraham, your father Abraham. He says, because God could raise up from these stones new sons of Abraham. See, even then, he knew that people's minds were, they're trusting Abraham's righteousness that happened 2,000 years before this moment, 1,500 years before this moment, as what's going to give them the right to talk to God. And now Jesus begins his prayer, and he's like, let me teach you all how to pray. All of you who are going to be part of the kingdom, all of you who are going to be followers of Jesus and Christians, when we pray, we, we talk to God as if he's our father, our father, plural. In that room, we're, we're Jews. Most, most were Jews on the, I said room, on the side of that hill. Um, but there were some Gentiles too. There, there, were, there were some Roman guards who were coming to make sure the crowd didn't get unruly. They, they were within earshot of this. And Jesus says, our father, inclusively, this group of people, to be in the kingdom, to be a follower of Jesus, is to be able to approach God the Father and call him dad. Our father. In heaven, it says. When, one important thing that, that he demonstrates here is that heaven is the place where things aren't as jacked up as they were in that world. Now, I know that we live in like COVID land and we're like, ah, oh, it's the worst the world's ever been and the politicians are bad. It's not as bad as it was back then. Like we've got our problems, sure. But, but when's the last time some you know, Roman guard or government official walks up to you and be like, hey, you got to carry my shield or I'll kill you and your family? That anybody this week? No, none of us. No, we, we, we live in kind of a, a safer world than they live in. And when he says our father in heaven, he's pointing to them and he's saying the place where things are perfect, the place where, where things are, are right, the place of God, heaven, we get to talk to him. When I was a kid, uh, some, some Christmas, I don't know which one, uh, I got a set of walkie talkies. That's sweet. This is before cell phones. Yeah, somebody got excited. Yeah, the, the walkie-talkies are legit. And, and, and you, 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 you would hand a friend a walkie-talkie and you could talk to them like across the street. Like, like it's, it's mind-blowing that, that like your voice could travel over there. Uh, we just started uh, watching Stranger Things, uh, whatever season the last one was. In the first episode, Homeboy comes home with like this big radar system and he could talk to his girlfriend in Utah, which is amazing. And they're like, they're, they're like how can you do that? It's magic, who knows? We, you and I, our, our privilege as Christians, citizens of the kingdom, is that we get to talk to the creator of the universe in heaven. And he hears you. You've got his number on speed dial. It starts with our father. And then he's there. Like, he's listening to you. Like, we, we take for granted the privilege of what Jesus is recommending right here. In, in, in the day that Jesus says this, the only way that anybody could hear uh, uh, God is that you take all your junk and your lamb and your ram and your, your, your bird and, and whatever you needed for the offering, and you had to go find a priest at the temple who hasn't sinned, who, who like they, their sins are forgiven. And you just had to hope that when he talked to God for you, that God was listening, that it wasn't on like, you know, caller ID, like speed dial, you know, left on red. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just spouting phrases now. 
in fact, uh, in the Old Testament, Elijah is talking to the prophets of Baal. I don't know if you know this story. And the prophets of Baal are yelling for their God and, and nothing happens to the offering. Nothing happens to the sacrifice. And Elijah, in making fun of them, says, maybe your God has gone to the restroom. Maybe give him a minute to come back. And you and I are like, that's ridiculous. And that's just how their brain worked then. It was like, I don't know, maybe God's busy. I don't know. But we're followers of Jesus. And we get to start with our father. You're in heaven and you're listening to me. And we talk to him with nothing in between us because Jesus has made the way possible. Hallowed be your name, it ends with. The word hallowed, that's a beautiful word, but like, who uses that anymore, right? Um, hallowed means holy. Holy is another churchy word that we don't use in any other context other than churchy things. And so let's translate that. And it means set apart. It means different. It means put away for special purposes. If, if you, your, your grandma has holy dishes and they're like in a cabinet and you only bring them out for Thanksgiving, you're bringing them out soon, right? Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. You get the holy dishes, the set apart dishes that is for the meal Our Father in heaven, your name is set apart from us. You're different than us. You're you're perfect and I'm not. And I acknowledge that at the beginning of this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we begin with addressing God because we have permission to, because Jesus fulfilled the law. We acknowledge in our addressing of God that he's set apart, he's different. And then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer begins with, he's like, how how do I pray? And he said, pray like this. And, And after you know who you're talking to, you begin by asking him, what do you want? I don't know how many times, like I'm a new Christian and I'm like in trouble at school and I've been sitting out in the hall. I know this is like shocking. They didn't find it in the background check when they hired me. And, and I'm sitting in the hall and I know I'm about to get some letters sent home. I know I'm about to go to OCS. I know something's about to happen. And I just pray and like all the words that come out of my mouth are like, God, get me out of this trouble. Please, like, you know, I'll do whatever. I'll become a, a priest. I'll become a nun. I don't even know what that means. Just help me. I don't wanna, I don't wanna be in trouble. And it begins, it begins with like, what do I want? What do I want? And so I think that's just a young, like uh, uh, immature way of praying. It's a way to pray, uh, but you're missing a step. Because the step that Jesus goes to is that we start with God and we say, let your kingdom come. Let, let your will be done. God, I'm listening. What do you want to happen in this situation? God, I'm listening. What do you want to happen in my marriage right now? God, I'm listening. What do you want to happen with my grades and my career path right now? God, I'm listening. I, I really want that job, but before I tell you what I want, I'm listening. Do you, what do you want my job to be? What do you want me to be focused on? What do you want to be important to me right now? What do you, what do you want me to do with my worries? I'm listening. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done before my will is done. You know, when Jesus teaches us to pray, the, the instruction is that we begin with like looking and asking God, like, what are you up to right now? Can I, can I get a little course correction? Praying, praying in this sense is far less about us asking God what we want and us asking God to tell us what he's doing so that we can just kind of be on the same page for a second. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a beautiful phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, in heaven, 
God says, uh, I don't know, I don't know what he says. I want a, I want a hot cocoa. Uh, do you think anybody argues with him in heaven? It happens instantly, like whatever he wants. On earth, he gives us instruction and then he, he, he's patient with our sin and our, and our brokenness to never follow the instruction, but it, we're so slow and slothful in following it. And the prayer that Jesus is encouraging us to begin praying is pray that your kingdom come and that we do on earth as obedient as it apparently is in heaven. We stop fighting. Broken families come back together because it's better that way. Um, there, there is no reason to hate another human being for any reason. Racism is gone. Politics are gone. Everything is gone because, because we want it to be right. So one, one thing I should say about this, when he says, uh, our, your kingdom come, um, I, and I'm like eight weeks into this series, and I've not actually said this phrase yet. Um, uh, we, we're talking about the kingdom of Jesus. And when I grew up, I know I always thought kingdom of Jesus is heaven. That's when I die, I, that's, that's where I'm going to go, and that's where everything is right. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the verbs so far, but the verbs are for the here and now. The kingdom isn't a future tense, what's going to happen. The kingdom is being established right now and has been since the cross, that you and I, who are followers of Jesus, are, are meant to bring the kingdom here in our actions and how we treat each other and how, how we fight and what ethics we bring to the table and uh, all of it. We're praying that his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, give us this day. This is the only phrase where it's like, hey, give us something. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Um, our, our daily bread. We, we, we ask God for, for so, so much. We, we want... Um, we want to know all the steps of the plan. We want, we want our entire lives mapped out before we take the first step. And Jesus redirects us like, just, just ask for today, for today's things. Give us this day our daily bread. To pray this way is the every, every morning, every night, whatever your prayer situation looks like, um, you're just like, hey, you, you already know what I'm about to face. You know how much nourishment I need. You know how much mercy I need. You know how much patience I need. Oh my gosh, I gotta go to deal with that lady in HR tomorrow. Lord, I need, I need a little extra. And you're just trusting him to give you what you need for tomorrow. It's a, it's a statement of faith. Give us this day our daily bread. What we would rather pray, and what I tend to pray, I'll just say me, uh, what, I, what I tend to pray, give me this day what I need for the next six months, eight months, and I'll, I'll, I'll manage it, and I'll, you know, I'll invest some, and like, I'll, I'll go bake a cake with it later. Like, like I, just want, I want all the bread, Lord. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, no, just ask for today's needs. Today's needs. We, we said last week when we were talking about worry, and Jesus says, why do you worry about tomorrow so much? Who here can add one year to your life by worrying for tomorrow? He says, tomorrow has enough worries for itself. Worry, sufficient for today is today's worries. Sufficient for today is today's bread too. Some of us, you know, we, we, we go to church, we do our churchy things and, and we gather all that we can and then, and then we hoard it and it gets moldy and it's not worth anything. Uh, and we're like, well, I don't know. Like I'm feeling kind of dry. I'm feeling kind of run down because you're eating moldy bread, my friend. Uh, give us today our daily bread. Recharge. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
in, in Jesus's example of how we should all be praying, he, he seems to think it's important that we include in that like this opportunity, God, I'm not perfect. Forgive me my debts. I, I've, I've, I have a debt against you. Forgive me my sins. I've, 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 not, I've not measured up fully. Um, and, and, and God, uh, when you're forgiving me of my things, feel free to use my forgiveness of these person, people's things uh, as an example of the measurement upon which I want to be forgiven. Forgive me, Lord, the same way I forgave that guy who gave, you know, owed me some money. Yikes. I don't know, man. That's scary stuff. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The, the, the kingdom uh, ethic is that we are madly crazy about forgiving people. That's not, that's not to say we don't have boundaries. That's not to say that we, you know, like we're just constantly getting beat up along the way, but we love our inter- enemies. We pray for our enemies. We bless them and do not curse them because that's Jesus's way of doing things. And then when we pray to God, we're like, God, please, please offer me the same forgiveness that I've offered Frank over here. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's this plea at the end that it's one, to lead us. You're, you're inviting God to, to lead your life. Like, are, are you ready to trust the God who knows all things, who knows what you're going to face, um, to know what tomorrow holds, to know what, what problems and celebrations are going to be coming as a result of that? Do you trust him to lead you in the right direction? I do. And then you ask him, lead me. But lead me, lead me in a path that like keeps me away from temptation because I really, I, 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 I'm prone to failure. I see in myself, I fail a lot. I'm prone to failure. Um, lead me in a path where I'm not gonna be tempted to fail and then trust him with it. Barbara, I'm gonna skip to, uh, I think the next to last slide. Um, here, here's what I wanna do. I wanna answer a few questions rapid fire on, on how to pray. Kind of just like, hey, help me out. I need to learn how, how to pray. Uh, how do I pray? First of all, like, what do I do with my body? Like anybody, Ricky Bobby, some things you're like, I just don't know what to do with my hands. Like, do I pray like this, Jesse? Do I, do I sit? Am I allowed to lay down and pray? No instructions about it. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, when he says how to pray, he doesn't say, and I need you to sit with one leg pointed to, you know, the three o'clock position and you know, none, none of that. Uh, you can pray standing, you can pray sitting, you can pray laying down in your bed. What I would recommend you do is that uh, you try out a couple of different ways. Pray kneeling by your bed, like old school ways. Uh, there is some connection between what you do with your physical body and what your brain will focus on. Uh, and if you find uh, that the only time you're kneeling is when you pray, uh, you, you will also find that to put your body into the kneeling position after a few times of doing that will immediately activate prayer. And so there, there is a connection to that, but there's no like rule about it. You can, you can pray standing up. Like, just like, I pray like this, Jesse, you know, like, like you're a hot dog, just standing. Okay. That's your thing then. Uh, but whatever, whatever you want, you can pray uh, with your hands raised. You can pray, um, pray any, any way you want. What, what do I do with my eyes? Uh, am I supposed to close my eyes? According to my four-year-old, yes. If you don't close your eyes, which is funny because he'll be in the middle of like a prayer meal and he'll peek at me and say that my eyes aren't closed. I'm like, homie, how do you know? Uh, but he, he catches me. Uh, can, what do you do with your eyes? You can pray with your eyes closed. You can also pray with your eyes open. Uh, like there's no rule against it. Uh, it. It's intimidating to people if you're staring at them while you're praying, uh, but it, it happens. I had a, a guy in college that like, you know, it's like everybody would bow their heads and we're praying. I'll look up and dude's just like, 
And he's praying the whole time, just staring at me. I'm like, man, you're kind of intense. Uh, I, I talked to him about that. Do I pray silently or out loud? Uh, there's no, there's no rule against it. Uh, he, uh, scripture says that the Holy Spirit intercedes with us with the groanings too deep for words. So you can just pray with like, uh, you just like, you, you can caveman it uh, if you need to. Uh, you can pray silently in your car because other people, like you're just in an argument with someone and it's probably not good to be like, hey, shut up, I gotta talk to God real quick. And like, that's just, that's gonna like get the real fight going. Uh, but you can pray silently in, in that moment. Uh, but you can also pray out loud. And I think that there's something, similarly to kneeling, there's something about just like, it's coming out of your own vocal box uh, that keeps you focused and keeps you in there. Um, when I was a foster care worker, I had uh, somebody go to the hospital and uh, I showed up and uh, it's a Pentecostal family. And they're like, Jesse, will you pray for us? Because I mean, their kid was really sick. They're scared. It's like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And so we huddled up and like, I bowed my head to pray and everybody in the room started talking at the same time because they pray out loud. It's not wrong. It's, it's a, it, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't keep up. And so I prayed silently. They prayed out loud. And you know which one of the prayers God heard? All of them. Yes. Yeah, he, because he's good. He knows. Um, where, where do I pray? Pray anywhere you want. Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, Paul will say, pray without ceasing. So you're just driving down the road, pray, pray in your room. Uh, but again, uh, pray secretly. Jesus instructed that you go in your room and you close the door. Maybe you have a special place that that's like your prayer place on the edge of the bed kneeling, for example. Um, but you can pray anywhere you are. There's nothing that says you can't pray. Daniel lived in a world where it was against the law to pray. And he's like, yeah, well, he can't stop me, man. I can talk to my God anywhere I go. Um, and then is it a one-way or two-way conversation? Uh, well, when, when you pray Jesus this way, it's very often a two-way conversation because you're asking God, teach me your will. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. And then you like pause and just like soak it in for a second. Um, I don't know many people who claim to hear God audibly, but I know a ton of people who are like, just in that silence, I got some certainty. I got like, what was confusing to me, just like, I know exactly what to do now. And I think that more often than not, that's how God is like speaking in those prayers. I, I don't know that you need to expect, you know, like, you know, uh, 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 oh, Morgan Freeman's voice. Man, that would have been hilarious if I'd come up with it right away. Um, here, here's uh, uh, five things uh, to go. And this is me kind of dissecting the Lord's prayer. This is how I see Jesus teaching us to pray. And uh, because, you know, it's a preacher thing, I've just put the letter A at the beginning of all of them. Address God. You're talking to the God of the universe. Uh, he's the creator. He knew this was coming long before you even existed. And, and he, he, he hears you, but you're addressing God who is holy. Um, align your agenda with his. Ask him like, God, what do you want right now? What, what, what are you working at in this situation? Very often what we consider a terrible moment in our life is a moment that the Lord has put in our life to kind of steer us in a direction towards him, steer us in a way of trusting him, increasing our faith or changing something that was really broken in us. And like, it would be a shame that we just ask for it to go away without us learning the lesson. So maybe, maybe we ask God, like, let me align with, with your will right now. Ask God for what you need. Um, it's okay to tell God, like, I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I'm a good enough dad. I don't feel like I'm a good enough mom. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm gonna make it. Can you help me? Will you help me? It's okay to be honest with him. It's also very common that what you think you needed at the beginning of a prayer, you walk away with like, I, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this diagnosis. I'm okay with that. I, I, don't, I don't need you to take this away. Just help me, help me honor it well. Admit and own your false sins and shortcomings. 
Um, unless, unless you are Jesus and you've been lying to me for the whole time I've known you, you have shortcomings, faults, and sins that it's okay for you to admit to God. It is a, a practice of futility to pretend he doesn't already know them. First uh, John says that if you say you are without sin, you are a liar and you tell God that he's a liar. So I'm going to approach God by saying, here's, here's what I'm really struggling with and I'm, I'm, like, I'm broken right here. This is where I'm broken and I'm sorry. And he receives that. And, and, and ask him for help with helping other broken people. Like, help me forgive this person uh, because I'm not good at that either. And then, and then the last is that you accept and follow his leading. You accept what, what he's guiding you to do. And you're like, I'm, I'm gonna choose that way over this way. And he's, he leads you into righteousness and away from temptation. Um, and your life, little by little, in those secret moments, you get the reward from the Father in those secret moments. The public doesn't even know. The crowd doesn't even know you're doing this. But your life becomes simpler. You're putting on less of a show for other people because you're doing business with the Father in secret. You're getting blessings from the Father in secret. You're becoming more confident. The problems that shook you six months ago are no longer shaking you. The things that didn't make sense, that the path was all crooked and you couldn't make any sense, it's as straight as an arrow and you're confident and you're sure about which way to go because the Lord is leading you. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. This is a good way to pray, guys. And so let me pray, and then uh, we'll watch the cue. Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you teach us um, right from wrong, and you teach us how to, uh, how to talk to you. Uh, Lord, help us, help us to do that well, and help us to, to know when to uh, shut our mouth and to listen. Um, give us the courage to lay down pieces of us that are broken and hurting, and Lord, uh, may you heal us. May Carpenter's Way be healed and more confident because we do business with you in our secret place and uh, you draw us to, to more peace. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.